Coming up on this week's episode of RSVP. What happens during this event stays there,、um, doesn't go anywhere. Please, please, God, let no one come and sit next to me. I think that I would probably wake this person up, even if it's a strange man. It's time for a little RSVP, the show full of rants and stories, visions and pains, and so much more. With special guests and fun galore, hotels, destinations, nightmares and dreams, confessions and everything in between. So sit back, relax, pour a wine or whiskey, get comfy, 'cause it's time for RSVP. Hello and welcome to RSVP, the podcast for events and travel professionals looking for inspiration, fun, and a little bit of scandal. And welcome to Tanya. Tanya used to work at Bank Sadler and Amex, but she has now gone freelance very recently. Tanya, we're so happy to have you on RSVP today. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me.、Um, I'm very nervous, but I had a very well, warm welcome here. So. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> great, amazing. We took、uh, Tanya out for coffee, and me and Callum had a huge pastry, and Tanya had nothing. So,、uh, very well, welcome there. <laughs> so, Tanya, let's launch straight into it. First of all, you know the format of the show. We'd like you to do a rant on something industry-based. So, what what really gets your goat? What grinds your gears? As a bit of background, obviously, as event professionals, we always travel to amazing destinations and beautiful places. And the hotels that you experience and you visit are usually pretty great and beautiful. But one thing that I literally cannot agree with is glass doors and walls in the bathrooms. I totally feel this. Completely agree. It's so weird, isn't it? Especially when you're lying in bed and you can see. Your partner in the toilet? Yeah, you don't want to see your partner in the toilet. No, doesn't matter if it's been five months or five years. I don't want to see that. It does kill the romance, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I mean, they do look beautiful, and I can see why hotel chains—not to name the names—do <laughs>、uh, that. Absolutely, it looks fantastic, but they just don't work if you stay with anyone.、Um, so actually, the reason I got. The story I got inspired by was that I have recently got back from a holiday with my partner, and we stayed in one of those beautiful hotels with this type of bathroom. So when we entered the,、um, the hotel room, he was like, "Oh, that looks amazing!" I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be a disaster."、Um, <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> yeah, and I can see why people like it. Again, it's beautiful, and it adds a bit of you know spiciness to a journey, like if you're with a partner. But sometimes you have petty people like myself, and we had an argument. I can't even remember why, and I was as petty. That like I literally spent an hour trying to put、um, bath towels and、um, sheets up so he actually wouldn't see me in the bathroom because you know you don't you don't deserve it after an argument and yeah it just it doesn't work with a partner and then recently I have been on a journey on a trip with my parents and my mom bless her booked a really nice hotel in Italy Como Lake beautiful but it also had this. Bathroom, transparent bathroom where you can see everyone showering, going to the to the toilet essentially. So yeah, it wasn't nice, and we had a bit of a team building and bonding exercise. Three of us, my mom, my dad, and myself, trying to cover 
the glass walls. So yeah, again, dear hotels, they look great, they look lovely. But if you have double occupancy, please don't give this rooms to people. You I'm just... absolutely going to second that, Tanya. And <laughs> I've just had a really traumatic flashback of my own. Uh, having Christmas dinner many years ago with my family, extended family, and the the table was opposite a uh, a toilet with a glass door. And my very elderly great aunt, who was probably pushing 90 at this point, went inside. And we were all just tucking into our lovely Christmas roast. And we turn, and there's a very, very clear silhou- silhouette of her bending over, wiping her ass. So that was oh, nice. That's <laughs> a nice addition and twist to a dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah, really added something a bit spicy to the meal. The next section is stories, of course. So first of all, we'd love to get a uh, your best destination story. Where's your favourite destination and why? Um, I just got back from it, actually. So it's definitely would be Morocco for me. And I visited it in 2019. I think it was March 2019 was the first time. I went to Marrakesh and then me and my friend took a couple of train rides all over the country. And I absolutely loved, like, I loved it because it's such a unique combination of um, a Muslim country, an Arabic country, French culture, a bit of European twist. And it's just beautiful. And especially if you like art, I think that's definitely a destination to be. And it gives you a very different feel from um, from Europe or just like Western world in general. But you don't need to be on a long haul flight, like when you go to Asia or Middle East. So yeah, definitely would be a Morocco, uh, Morocco for me. But I think that in terms of events and actually hosting meeting events there, it's such a great destination as well, because it has so much to offer from Marrakesh that has been very touristic and very upscale, I would say, um, just to smaller towns and villages with this unique history, great destination for sustainable travel. And you literally have everything from the ocean to Sahara desert. So definitely, definitely Morocco is on the top of my list. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it ticks all the boxes. And actually, when we were doing our SOTI report, we had Morocco come up absolutely tons for a 2023 destination for lots of those reasons as well. Because you know, people don't necessarily, if you're going to be taking delegates far away, it has to be something really, really amazing. And lots of people do want to go somewhere that is very different, but where they don't have to sit on a plane for eight, nine, ten hours. So Morocco seems like an absolutely wonderful uh, incentive and events destination. And it's really good to know as well, they have good sustainability credentials too. Yeah, surprisingly. And I think that when I visited um, Marrakesh for the first time, I noticed that, but I thought that maybe it was just within the city because obviously it's such a popular destination for meeting and events. But um, I tra- as I said, I traveled around the country and if you go to those like small villages and just smaller towns, they still have so much connection with nature and all the arts and crafts are literally based on the natural resources etc so it's yeah it's just very interesting to see and the sustainability is just a part of their lifestyle so yeah definitely definitely much to learn so the next thing we'd like to talk about with you tanya is an amazing hotel experience that you've had yeah absolutely um i think that's what i'm about to describe may not be for everyone i don't think there's experience that everyone would necessarily enjoy but i visited rio de janeiro in 2019 as well and rio de janeiro is a beautiful city and again it has beautiful um mountains and landscape and beaches and whatnot but 
my experience that was that I really wanted to break this stigma of favelas as being underdeveloped, poorly funded um, areas of the city. And it definitely is not the case anymore. So I went to this lovely hotel that is called The Maze in Rio de Janeiro. It's definitely a bit further away from the city center and main attractions, but it was funded and is still run by a British guy. I think his name was Tom. I can't remember. But Tom, Bob, Jim, something you know, one like of that, those right? British names. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Barry. A- could be actually could be Barry could be Barry very well be Barry yeah he did look like a Barry maybe it was a Barry Um, (laughs) what does a Barry look like just out of interest okay so basically he's an ex-sailor so (laughs) that's how he ended up being in Brazil that back in the 80s or 90s he travelled from the UK um, all the way to South America and then he decided to stay on there travel around and he was just like really tall six six and five foot um, guy bald I was going to say, they're always bald. They are always bald. Without exception. Barry is a bald man. (laughs) Sorry, Barry's no offense. Um, (laughs) But anyway, back to the, uh, back to the hotel stay. So Barry, who's the owner of the hotel, decided to um, go into this less developed area and develop a really nice um, hotel and venue for the local artists. So essentially this place combines a very, a spirit of very um, local, a bit and fun community uh, with just a bit of more of developing um, art scene of the city as well. So what he does, he invites local artists and young artists put um, mosaics and um, their prints all over the place. So, um, and if you're familiar with favelas, they didn't really have any urban development in place. So they're very chaotic. So it's a very interesting slash weird building in terms of navigating around but he just decided to make it a bit easier with those paintings being a signage but in a very beautiful artistic way Um, and this hotel um, even though it's a hotel is more of like local community um, art venues so they have live music they have different um, cuisines served there and they just have an open air um, gallery in a way so it's just a really beautiful place and it overlooks the entire city you have a beautiful view of a sugarloaf mountain mm. and just mountain around the city so if you are in Rio de Janeiro and if you're interested in exploring the city a bit more um, and just go a bit beyond of main um, touristic scenes definitely go check it out and favela is actually a really nice place to be i mean again i'm not saying that all of them are the same but the one where the maze is is actually a, it has an amazing community very welcoming people don't speak any english and i don't speak any portuguese except for abrigado this is like literally the only word i know um but everyone was trying to be super helpful they tried to help me out to navigate around the area and um, just were very welcoming. And yeah, it was definitely a very warm and lovely experience. So definitely recommend. You've made it sound amazing, Tanya. It's going <laughs> on my bucket list. And I mean, homestay, it sounds a bit like a homestay almost, which is very, very popular in the leisure travel world at the moment. I think something that event profs are kind of thinking of doing more, especially tying into sort of like a CSR element, etc. And just the absorption of local culture. I think if you go to somewhere where you're, you know, you're actively interacting with, uh, with the culture things like yeah like the mosaics like the art etc you're getting that real experience from the destination and not just doing what you normally do which is like venue generic venue generic chain hotel and just sort of like quite generic experiences where you could be literally anywhere in the world so it sounds great i love it and you're really thinking outside the box here 
So the next story that we'd like you to tell is um, a food experience that you had. Sure. So first of all, I'm a massive foodie, so I like food and I like spending money on food, as we we all do. (laughs) Um, But um, at the same time, I don't cook at home. I don't find it satisfying. I've tried and I've always been this like, you know, cool girl who's busy in the city and doesn't have time to cook. And then during the lockdown, I even bought a cookbook and still never cooked anything. So you're very um, much like delivery Uber Eats kind of gal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pharma yeah, J. Pharma J is literally <laughs> my favorite. I have a chain. Like, I love it. And it's also healthy, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Just expensive. No <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not a person who enjoys cooking. However, each and every time I travel to a new destination, especially if it's somewhat different from um, what I experienced growing up or just um, living here in the UK, I'm trying to go to some sort of a cooking class just to try and cook something. So you're fully immersed into this like local cuisine and see what ingredients you use and what is you know your ordinary go-to dish. So in Malaysia, I went to Cameroon Highlands, again, very beautiful area it's just um the nature is stunning absolutely amazing and there uh, me and my friend who traveled together went on a cooking class to do nasi lamak which is malaysian like malay national dish mm-hmm. um and our host didn't speak much of it any like english they really tried to show the ingredients and everything but it was I think it was even more unique because of that, because it wasn't a touristic thing when they have, when they give you a a very good instruction on how to do meals, but you actually had to navigate a bit and just repeat what people around you are doing, who can actually understand some local language. So it was very, very authentic, very kind of like hands-on, and you you had to almost be a bit experimental. Yeah, Mm. oh, experimental is definitely a word for it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great, it was so much fun, and it turned out amazing, and I think that I got so inspired, and I was like, oh my god, I can cook it's actually fun um it wasn't fun once i left um the the village where it happened but it was still very great experience and it takes a bit of your time but you get the satisfaction um that you've achieved something so that was definitely it was delicious and very satisfying it's funny you should say that i actually went to a cooking class a malaysian cooking class myself a couple of years ago and uh, one of the tourism ministers from Malaysia was there. And uh, uh, he was like, oh, I love London. Food is amazing. The food scene here is so good. The food is incredible. So me looking for a recommendation, because I love to eat too. I was like, okay, what's, what's the best place that you've, you've eaten at uh, in London? And he turns to me and completely seriously goes, have you heard of this place called Morley's? The chicken shop. The South London chicken shop literally it's like that. it's like 199 for some wings and some fries and i was like you know what hats off to you mate you come from a country with some of the best cuisine in the world but you'd still like to just have more <laughs> i love it but who doesn't like a bit of a fried chicken at 4 a.m exactly so, yeah, totally, not? totally no judgment here no, no judgment, judgment from us <laughs> i'm rooting for him we could be friends based on that. <laughs> we can we can let's track him down Now, moving on to the vision section, which is my personal fave, where you get to be as creative and out there and crazy as you want to be. So, Tanya, if you could organise an event that has no limitations on speakers alive or dead, venue, location, uh, content, etc., what is your vision for your dream event? Well... I do like this question and each and every time I listen to your podcast, I'm like, yeah, I like some of those ideas. People are so creative. I just love love that you listen to our podcast. You can come back, all the points. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but um, I think the beauty of events is definitely people being part of the experience and being 
very creative and involved. So I think it's we could record a whole new episode about experience economy and why it's important to be a part of the experience rather than just observe it. So definitely it will be a place where people actively participate are, and are part of what is happening, overall scene. And I kind of see it as a community-based and community-led event. So, you know, total freedom, what happens during this event stays there, um, doesn't go anywhere. And I think that if we're talking about any um, things that I could arrange, it definitely would be no videos and photos because I'm quite young. It was like secret cinema style. Yeah, but just like a really big rave party, (laughs) (laughs) big festival. But I think that now with social media... um, being so popular it's only natural that people want to capture all the moments of the experience fair enough but i sometimes find it a bit um destructive that people actually want to take a picture rather than just have a look and see what's been in the moment so that would definitely be a strict no photos no video rules or like polaroid photos so you can just capture a moment without actually posting it yeah it's there's the idea and you know when i was thinking about that i was like yeah i'm kind of describing burning man don't i <laughs> but um in terms of a small twist on that i would really like with all the self-expression concept and it being very creative i would really like to have some speakers um, mostly filmmakers whose vision i love and adore so i would really like stanley kubrick to attend my event wow. stanley kubrick is like my literary favorite ever director so i'm like <laughs> Stanley, please come. Um, but yeah, and I thought about Alfred Hitchcock and Wes Anderson. So just all my film idols mm-hmm. being there and possibly doing like making some installations or performances for for us, for the crowd. That would be great. That sounds amazing. I just love like the kind of the film focus as well. Having all these A-list icons. I Yeah, that's a really great answer, Tanya. Thank I will you. definitely come to Burning Man Part 2. The Tanya version. (laughs) I would love that. That's the ultimate career goal. And now, last but not least, the pains. So I'm going to read you out a uh, listener confession, Tanya. And um, you are free to interject at any time and give your thoughts. But we want to get an organic, authentic reaction to this story. So Tanya has never heard this story Actually, I've never heard this story, so we're both going to be reacting. (laughs) I'm very nervous. Hopefully in hilarious ways. (laughs) We'll see. Let's try our luck. Dear Charlotte, I'm sure some of your listeners only ever fly business class when travelling long haul. However, I unfortunately only get that luxury once in a blue moon. On this particular flight to Hong Kong, I was not fortunate enough to turn left when boarding. As I sat there in my middle seat on a row of three... I began to dread the coming hours, knowing I'd most likely not get a wink of sleep. But as the boarding started to trickle down to a few people, I started to feel hopeful. No one had come to sit either side of me. I mean, that's a dream, isn't it? You know, you get on a plane and you're like, please, please, God, let no one come and sit next to me. I just, yeah. I mean, I need my personal space anyway. I don't know about you, Tanya, but like that is my horror getting sat next to someone who takes their shoes and socks off or who like eats really loudly. Like I've been oh, next to a noodle slurper before. Okay, like, we, should, we shouldn't be traveling together. <laughs> I can tell you that. You slurp your noodles. No, but I do get changed in my like jag- like leggings and my yoga pants. But not in the bra. seat, right? You go to the bathroom. No, but like sometimes I put my <laughs> my leggings you get under my in your seat. Not undressed, changed. <laughs> God, no, but um, 
I do appreciate when people want to be comfortable during their long haul flights, is what I'm saying. So Absolutely agree. But definitely, I say socks are essential. Bare feet. No, 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 no. Bare feet. No bare feet. And it also, like, planes are dirty. Sometimes they're nasty. Like, no. No. People who go to the toilet with no shoes on socks. Oh, no. That's, yeah. I don't judge people often, but I do judge those people. Yeah. 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 I always, like, make sure to give them my most scathing look when they come back from the toilet. I can see that, yeah. I would be terrified to sit next to you. I can tell you. I have a good scathing face. You can't see it, listeners, but it's brutal. Tell you what. We'll pop it on social media for you to advertise the podcast and you can see it that way. Anyway, continuing with the story. It turned out I had all three seats to myself. And once we were in the air, great, huh? And cruising, I took the opportunity to lay across all three and get some much needed shut eye. Then a few hours later, I woke up feeling reasonably refreshed and went to the loo to brush my teeth. But when I returned to my three-seater bed... It was taken by a strange man. I mean, I'm just going to say this. Planes are always full of strange men. There's always at least one really strange man. The last flight I was on, a man had unbuckled his trousers during the flight and he bent over and his trousers fell down and I saw his entire bum. Okay, this is getting too comfortable on a plane. I don't approve of that. So, okay, so that's the limit. That's where you draw the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Please keep your pants, like, in place. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Also, not wearing underwear with jeans. Psychopath. Yeah, no, Psychopath vibes. Yep. So, the seat stealer had somehow successfully managed to not only move into my space, but also fall fast asleep in the matter of minutes. It took me to freshen up. So rude. The audacity... I looked around, but the lights were off and most of the passengers were snoring away. So in an effort not to disturb everyone or make a fuss, I found a spare seat and spent the rest of the flight upright watching films. Yeah. No, I feel very, very bad for whoever they are. But at the same time, okay, can we have a conversation about plane etiquette? Like, what do you do? First of all, you don't occupy someone else's seat in the middle of the flight. Because by the sunset, they already had a couple of hours of sleep so it was probably midway you just don't switch seats then like you do at the beginning before everyone falls asleep and then i think that i would probably wake this person up even if it's a strange man because you want your sleep you want your beauty sleep and you want to land in hong kong refreshed oh my god i i feel i feel bad yeah i mean if he was i would definitely wake him up there's no way i would just let him lie across my seats and sleep like yeah like you said we need our beauty sleep right and Somehow, I don't know why, but I feel like his name is Barry. Is it like a new male equivalent to a Karen? Yeah, a exactly. Okay. Yeah, he's he's definitely a Barry. So I would I would slap Barry round the head and I would say, Barry, get up, wake up. There's no way I would let him sleep. Agreed? Yeah, no, absolutely. Unless he was like with a couple of kids and he spent his entire flight trying to get them to go to sleep and he just got a... a himself a bit of rest fair enough i feel sorry for you but yeah no you need your sleep you have your face mask on you just brush your teeth you are fully entitled to go back to your three seats and you're bad tanya i'm just gonna say it. you're a much nicer person than i am <laughs> i would wake him up no matter what i'd make him sit on the floor in the aisle sorry barry <laughs> time's up mate So, Tanya, thank you so much for being our guest today. We've loved having you and we've loved hearing your rant, your stories and also your dream event vision. And uh, all I'm going to say is I don't think we should ever sit together on a plane. Absolutely um, not. If you, if you take off your bra, 
Um, oh no, I don't do that. I will, I will lose it. I will lose my shit. <laughs> and I still have my socks on, but yeah, okay, I agreed. Right, we probably we shouldn't be traveling. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, and Thanks. it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Tanya.